Looking to get out of your own way and make things happen? Do you love inspiration and tips that are based on the science of happiness and well-being? If so, default to yes is for you. New episodes are released every Monday with the occasional bonus episodes with expert guests, each one designed for inspiration to keep us moving in the right direction. Whether you're dealing with obstacles that have been around for a long time or are on a journey of new challenges, know that you are not alone. The Default to Yes podcast is nurse coach and aromatherapist Julie Reynolds on the journey with you, your extraordinary self. We deal in truth and experiment with solutions, training our fascinating brains to cooperate as we show up in the world the way we really want, make the difference we desire without sacrificing our overall well-being. Welcome to the Default to Yes podcast. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. We're going to talk about crucial conversations today. In this episode, I'm going to talk about the science behind effective communication, and I will provide some practical tips with some examples to help us navigate through some of those difficult conversations. I also will share some helpful resources. Uh, So if you're someone who at the end of this says, I really need to level up on my communication skills, I have created a guide and provided an entire annotated bibliography on the resources that I found helpful on communication skills. And you can get all of those by going to reimaginewellness.org forward slash yes. I'm talking about crucial conversations and communication today because it came up for me in a big way this week. I was in the charge nurse role and I was working very hard to lead well and show up for my colleagues in a way that would enable them to show up for their patients in a way that they really wanted to. Uh, It was a busy day. And if I did nothing else well, I proved that again, multitasking is a myth. And that's probably a conversation for another day. We do not ever do our best when we attempt multitasking, but it seems to be what is expected of us, right? Well, sort of. That's a conversation for another day. I think there are many expectations that we put on ourselves that are more our perception of what it takes, not reality. And is it a really good idea to think that we are good at it? Probably not. I know nurses who do one thing at a time and they do it well. They may not make the list of top performers in the way that they may not admit and discharge most the most patients. They aren't taking on more responsibility than they are asked to. They focus on their patients and those patients do really well. They feel cared for They and things do not get missed. And really, what's wrong with that? I think that sometimes we actually have created a culture that we can't ourselves keep up with. And that's on us. All right. Again, another conversation for another day. Every podcast episode seems to bring up more that we can talk about. All right. So going back to communication, I think what isn't easy requires more time than we think we have but could make all of the difference. And that's where we come to communication. Honest communication and up-leveling our comfort with these crucial conversations could actually save us time and allow us to tap into that more meaningful work and sense of purpose that you desire when, when you get up every day and default to, yes, your extraordinary self. 
What it looks like when I default to my extraordinary self is spending time in the, my garden, pruning, cleaning up, getting my hands dirty, sweating, <laughs> wondering what the heck, how much more do I have to do? But the outcome, what it looks like in my garden is really something extraordinary because the end result is beauty. And even caring for a plant that needs a little more extra love or the ones that are just blooming on their own with unconditional love back to me through the New Mexico sunshine. That's what it looks like when I default to yes. Thank you, Connie, for sharing with us what it looks like for you when you default to your extraordinary self and for pointing out to us that sometimes it takes some time, some sweat and tears to get our hands dirty to experience the beauty and the joy that we desire. Okay, first let's talk about the science behind crucial conversations. According to research, effective communication involves three key elements, mutual purpose, mutual respect, and mutual understanding. With these three elements present, conversations become more productive and meaningful. The science of communication has shown that effective communication is crucial for success in various areas of life, including workplace, personal relationships, and mental health. Here a few of the resources that I found that highlight the importance of communication. There was one study published in the Journal of Business and Psychology found that good communication skills are positively related to job satisfaction, employee engagement, and team performance. Now, according to a meta-analysis published in the Journal of Organizational Behavior, communication is the most important predictor of job satisfaction and organizational commitment. Hmm. Research conducted by the Gottman Institute has found that effective communication is one of the most important factors in maintaining healthy relationships. According to their findings, couples who communicate well are more likely to stay together and report higher levels of satisfaction in their relationships. Now, so far, this research really hasn't shown us anything that we can't already know by experience, right? But it does affirm that this is what we do need to address to make things better. All right, there's also another study published in the Journal of Counseling Psychology found that communication skills training can be effective treatment for depression and anxiety. The World Health Organization has identified communication as the core component of mental health promotion and prevention. Overall, these resources highlight the important role that communication plays in various areas of life and emphasize the need to prioritize building strong communication skills. So here we go. This week I had an interaction that I really didn't understand. And after the interaction and the person walked away, I was like, what the hell just happened? I decided that she must have had something else going on that it couldn't really be about anything that I did or didn't do. My perspective was that I had been nothing but helpful to her. And she had just asked me if she could do anything for me. She didn't have to do it. She also didn't have to offer. When it all went bad, I decided that maybe she was in a hurry and maybe she had an agreement to that she would leave early that day and I didn't know about it. I was baffled. And this is someone that I had never had a problem with. I hadn't seen her have a problem with anyone else. So like I said, I decided that it must have been about something else. Not me, not actually the situation. And it was just confusing. I 
really working hard at checking myself on what meaning I give anything before I respond to it. So just doing that mind work. So that's where mindfulness comes in. If you aren't practicing mindfulness daily, I'm going to include a couple of resources in the show notes for you to take a look at because this has made a huge impact on me. Practicing mindfulness daily will make shifts in your mindset that you really can't foresee unless you actually try it. So go to reimaginewellness.org forward slash yes. You can practice mindfulness with me there. And I've, and I've got some, a link to some resources. So I had this interaction. It felt icky, but I decided it wasn't about me and was going to just move past it. That is until someone else came to me to tell me what it was all about. My coworker had taken time to write a lengthy message to my supervisor and tell her side of the story. And and her perspective was completely different than what I would have thought. So in processing this, of course, I go to what could I have done different? What could I have done better? What did I miss? All of the things leading me back to this crucial conversations. I want to resolve this and be able to work in a positive environment. And I want us to be able to show up as our best selves. So I need to resolve this for me. So here's the process. We can have crucial conversations and incorporate the elements. And I'm going to go through a process and I'm going to actually get to share and suggest that we be proactive on practicing these things. Because to tell you the truth, I've read most of the books on the list that I'm going to give you. And I have studied this. I have practiced this. I have experience in leading volunteer organizations, in coaching, in leading in the workplace. It's not really just even about leadership. Any relationship that we have as a employee, as a family member, as a friend is going to require these skills. And so I've had to do a lot of work on this. That said, I still get surprised and I still have work to do. So when I say on the journey with you, I really mean it because this is something that I want to get better at. You know, in the workplace, we'll have what we call badge buddies, laminate a card, you stick it on your badge. So it's always there, always accessible. I think this would be a good badge buddy. (laughs) So top five tips on how to have those crucial conversations. And I'm going to work in our own mind work, our mind map. So five tips. First of all, start with the facts. When I say mind map, I'm talking about the whole stopping ourselves in any situation to work through it, to look at, first of all, what just happened? I told you that was the first question that I asked and actually came out of my mouth out loud. What the hell just happened? So I had to look at what were the facts, non-negotiable facts, not what I think happened, not what I think about what happened, but what actually happened? What are the facts? I said this, she said that, that's it. Okay. So you go to the facts because we know that somewhere along the line, we have thoughts, a thought about something. So something happens, we have a thought about it. That thought creates an emotion. The emotion creates a behavior and the behavior creates the outcome. 
So you can see where if you have a thought about someone, uh, like someone makes a remark to you and it's offensive and your thought is, well, my thought was, I have worked really hard today to make this pleasant for you and I ask you to do one little thing and you challenge me on that. I had all of these thoughts about how rude it was or, but that wasn't a fact. Do I know she's being rude? No, she might have just been asking the question that she asked me authentically. So my, my thought created an emotion, created a confusion, frustration, maybe anger. I felt a little hurt and surprised by the reaction that I got. That created behavior. Now I reflect on it and I think, what was my body language saying? What did my face say? To control all of that, we need a moment. So what is the circumstance? What is the, what are the facts? What is the thought that got created, that created an emotion, that maybe created a behavior, whether that you wanted or you didn't want, that gave us the outcome? That's the process. That's the mind work I'm talking about. So we have to start there. That is really hard to do in the moment, especially when we get caught off guard. So that's why we need to be proactive. First, we're going to deal with the facts in our own mind work. What are our thoughts? Unpack all of that, and then it's time for conversation. When discussing a difficult topic, it's important to stick to the facts rather than making assumptions or accusations. For example, instead of saying, you never help, you could say, I've noticed that I'm the only one that seems to do this. All right. So at home, it might be, you never help with the chores. And you could, what you could say is, I've noticed that I'm the only one that usually does the dishes. All right. So tip number two is start with I statements. We've probably heard that all our lives that we need to own our emotions. We need to own our own feelings and use I statements. This will keep us from making those assumptions or accusations and address the problem, not the person. Using I statements can help prevent the conversation from becoming confrontational. For example, instead of you always interrupt me, you could say, I feel like I'm not being heard when I'm interrupted. Focus on addressing the problem, not attacking the person. This means avoiding personal attacks, blame, criticism, and instead focusing on finding a solution that works for both parties. All right, tip number three, listen actively. We've also heard about active listening. Active listening is listening with the intent to understand, not just respond. We've heard it said, seek to understand, not to be understood. That's a good word. Effective communication involves active listening. This means paying attention to what the other person is saying without interrupting or thinking about your response. This can be challenging too, because I, I know that as soon as somebody says something, I know what I'm going to say to respond, or do I? That's a discipline to stop your mind from thinking about how you're going to respond so that you can hear the other person out. And sometimes even through their pauses, not jumping in to respond to let them finish their thought and giving them some space to really slow the process down. 
then paraphrasing what the other person said can also help us from making those quick judgments. This will ensure mutual understanding and helps us practice empathy. Practicing empathy in conflict resolution is crucial. It's not easy to do. To put ourselves in the other person's shoes, to see things from their perspective, to communicate our understanding of the other person's emotions and needs. This can be really hard to do, especially when you feel like that person isn't able to see from your perspective. But that's when that mind work kicks in and we have to ask ourselves things like, what do I make this mean? And know that we're still helping the process by being able to see things from their perspective. We might gain an understanding that we didn't have. And we might just gain a better understanding of how we can communicate what our needs are in a way that will help them understand. Tip number four, stay calm. It can be really easy to let emotions take over during that crucial conversation. And this again is where mindfulness comes into into play. I promise you that if you practice mindfulness even 10 minutes every day, you will get to a place where you can get control over the thoughts and the emotions during a crucial conversation because it is so important to stay calm. Taking a deep breath and focusing on the facts rather than personal attacks really where the success is going to come from. If the conversation does become too heated, then it's time to take a break and come back to it later. We a lot of times feel like we need to resolve this right now. A lot of that is because all of the adrenaline that's pumping, the cortisol that's coming into play, all of those things have our heightened awareness into this situation being more critical than it usually is. So even just taking a deep breath or telling the person, hey, let's hit a pause and come back to this later. Would it be okay if we revisit this later when I can feel a little more calm about it? Those are all things that are honest and will lead us to a solution. So a big reason why we're talking about this is because this affects our overall well-being. When a conflict arises, that body can experience that physiological response, commonly known as fight or flight, right? This response is triggered by a release of stress hormones, adrenaline, and cortisol, which prepare the body to either confront the threat, fight, or flee from it flight. Neither one of those responses are good responses when we're talking about resolving conflict with a colleague, a friend, a family member, because they're only going to lead to more problems. The fight or flight response can cause a variety of physical sensations. We have an increased heart rate, rapid breathing, muscle tension, sweating. When you go back to that mind work, That's really your first signal of when you need to slow this process down and pull out that process that you will have prepared for. So when you start to feel it in your body, start noticing that even this week when something comes up, notice where you feel it first in your body. Maybe if we get a hold of that first signal, we can slow the process down and take a couple deep breaths, calm our bodies, remind our brains that we're okay and then move towards solution. So going back to this flight or fight response, it can lead to changes in cognitive processing as well. So it decreases our ability to think rationally and increases emotional reactivity. And that's not where we want to be if we want to get the outcome that we want. Now, if this conflict persists, the stress response can be chronic 
It can lead to long-term physical and mental health issues. And for this reason, it's important to learn effective conflict resolution skills and to develop strategies to manage stress in order to prevent chronic stress and lead those negative effects on health. It affects our sense of meaning and purpose in the workplace. Some people want to quit our jobs because of this conflict that arises. We call it workplace drama. But if we get good at this, we can maybe change our culture, change our situation, and optimize our overall well-being while we're maximizing our sense of purpose. Are you someone who is wondering why you can't sleep, why your job is keeping you up at night? This might be one of those areas that we can improve on and maybe and maybe it's not you. Maybe it's your coworkers or maybe it's your family members. Well, I've used the example of a one-off situation with a coworker. We can also experience conflict when an announcement gets made or a memo comes out or a policy gets changed and we don't know what to do or how to address it, maybe with our leadership. Staying silent is not always the answer. We need to learn how how to advocate and how to communicate effectively how we are feeling or how that's going to affect us and bring up some of those challenges in an honest, authentic way. All of those things affect all of us. So getting good at this, getting good at helping others get good at this is only going to set us up for the win. All right, tip number five, work towards the solution. The ultimate goal of the crucial conversation should be to find a solution that works for everyone involved. Brainstorming together and being open to a compromise can help achieve this. That's also hard to do if you're not calm because it's really hard for your brain to let go of what what it thinks that you need to survive or to keep you safe. And when you're operating out of that primitive brain that's saying that you need to protect, 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 that's really hard to do. So you need to be able to get that, get to that place, that calm place where you can start actually kicking in that prefrontal cortex so that you can think through those things clearly. And that's also because at the same time, we need to communicate our needs and limits clearly and assertively to ensure that they're respected and honored. This is honestly where I struggle. I often do not set my own boundaries or don't keep my own boundaries in those moments. Now, remember, those boundaries are how we show others how we want to be treated. I'll give you an example of of one boundary that I set and I had to work really hard to maintain it because the other person's behavior did not change. And that's the other thing about when we set a boundary, we have to be okay with that of the other person not reciprocating or not going along with our plans or the way we want it to go. That's where clear communication will help. So one of my bosses, he had this habit of instead of asking, can I speak with you for a minute about something or other? He would wait till you pass by or meet eye contact with him. And he'd like wave you in, uh, like, come here, I got to talk to you about something. Well, a lot of times I would be doing something that I couldn't walk away from. And he'd just keep, you know, persisting, but not actually using words, just flagging me in. It felt a lot like if somebody snaps their fingers at you or points at you, it just didn't feel good to me. So I ended up having a conversation with him and saying that if you want to speak to me, 
I would like you to approach me and ask to speak with me. But the flagging me in or waving me in was not something I was going to respond to anymore. It continued. He didn't change his behavior. So I went back and I said, you can continue to wave at me in the hallway or wave at me across the room to come to you to because you have something to say, but I am no longer going to respond to that. You'll have to approach me. I also communicated that that would give him the opportunity to see that I was busy and maybe this was not a good time to talk. Like I said, he continued to wave me in. I continued not to respond. I would just smile and wait for him to approach me. Eventually, he got it. It didn't lead to anything except for better communication. All right, so that's an example of setting a boundary as far as communications. And what happens when the other person does not respect that boundary? You hold to it. Maybe brainstorm on what could we do differently because it doesn't seem like you're hearing me on this. Those conversations can actually create a better relationship with that person as you seek to understand and hold to your boundaries and show them how you want to be treated. Brene Brown talks a lot about resolving conflicts and how it requires vulnerability. Vulnerability is essential for any of our relationships, really, if we want them to grow. And resolving conflicts is just part of that. Vulnerability allows us to communicate emotions and needs in a way that promotes understanding and empathy, and there's just really no way around it. Conflict resolution is all about the importance of vulnerability, empathy, active listening, and problem solving to find the solutions that work for everyone involved. All right, to wrap this up, having crucial conversations definitely can be challenging. Incorporating these tips can make them more productive and meaningful. Practice them. Be proactive. Be prepared. Remember to start with the facts. Do your mind work. Remember facts create thoughts. Thoughts create emotions. Emotions lead to behavior and behaviors lead to outcomes. Reverse engineer that if you need to. Determine the outcome that you want and work back. In conversation, use I statements and empathy. Listen actively, stay calm, and work towards a solution. I hope you found these tips helpful. If you want to take a deeper dive, remember coaching is always an option. I'd love to be your coach. I also have provided more information in the way of resources. You can access those at reimaginewellness.org forward slash yes. I'd be happy to send you my guide and whole list of amazing resources. Thank you for joining me today. And don't forget to subscribe and share. Let's create a great big community of those who, who get up every day to default to yes. And until next time, Let's share the intention, communicate clearly, honestly, and respectfully in all interactions and strive to avoid assumptions, judgments, and blame, and instead approach each conversation with a willingness to learn and collaborate. May your mind be clear, your thoughts be intentional and purposeful. All your conversations lead to solutions as you choose to show up every day, defaulting to your extraordinary self.